0: Thank you. Hallelujah. I so just appreciate our worship team for assuring us in the presence of the Lord. Thank you guys. Good day, thank you. Lalagang paksyur, Dave, full of energy. Lalagang ah! di ko mapantayan yung energy niya. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God for your life, Kay, Dave. Thank God for your life and the grace. Amen. Hallelujah. And just look around you. Look around, look around. Yeah. And then just uh, say to the people behind you, I love you with the love of the Lord. Amen. I love you with the love of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we're continuing with our month series, Rooted. So are you ready for the Word of God today? Uh, Bring your Bibles out your uh, notebooks, your pens, you know, something that the Lord will drop into your hearts today. Make sure that you capture it and you don't let it go because that's that word, personally, that the Lord will give you is dunamis. Dunamis is a Greek word. Basically, it's where the word dynamite comes from. And it uh, basically means power. The Word of God is Power. Amen. I remember when I was younger in the Philippines, we have a uh, afternoon show by Ernie Baron. Who knows Ernie Baron? <laughs> and there's a show called "Knowledge is Power." <laughs> Knowledge is power. Uh, but I would say today that the Word of God is power. Amen. The Word of God is power. And if the Lord will deposit something in your heart today, You know, we will all hear the same message, and that's Logos, the word Logos. But there will be a word that will be deposited in your heart that the Spirit will tell you specifically and personally, and that's called Rema. That word is yours. The Lord wants to speak to you personally, amen? There's a word for you today. And uh, we're not just going to go through another preaching, just listening by. But the person who has set his heart or her heart to catch or to receive something from the Lord today, that person, you know, the word of God, again, is power, power for that person. Amen? So shall we bow down and uh, our heads and close our eyes for a bit? Let's offer this to the Lord. Hallelujah, God. We, we thank you. We appreciate you, Lord, that we can hear your word freely. In this country where we are, oh God, we just continue to acknowledge and recognize the fact that the freedoms to listen to the Word of God, to come to church. Even right now, after the lockdowns, Lord, that we can come to church together, Lord God, this is a freedom, Lord God. And in many countries, they can still do it. They cannot still do it, not just because of COVID, but because really uh, the church is persecuted. It's not allowed to gather. So Lord, we appreciate it, Lord God, that, that, that this privilege that we have Lord, that we, 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 we don't underestimate it. But also within our hearts, we pray for our brethren in the other side of the globe that are struggling, churches that could not gather. Oh God, people who could not even own a Bible. Oh God, those people who are struggling to just hear even just one sentence from your word. Lord, we pray that your word will still reach them in any way possible, O oh Lord. We thank you, O God. Thank you for your miracles that takes place. Whenever your word is spoken, Lord, it's power. Miracles are taking place. We honor you, Lord. Here's our heart. Here's our mind. Here's our ears. Speak, Lord. We are listening. In Jesus' name. Amen. Right. So as we continue with this series, again, uh, we are talking about the Christian life in the book of Acts. And uh, we're talking about rooted, which means that Uh, We're trying to answer that question. What made the early church, the first century church, in spite of all the incredible persecution, sufferings, limitations, barriers, and hindrances that faced them, what caused them to continually grow, flourish, spread, instead of shrinking back, they actually grew larger. And each Christian has actually become stronger. You know, uh, it's, it's amazing because... Um, you can find almost the same movement in most persecuted countries, even right now. In the Middle East, for example, in Pakistan, in Iran, you know, uh, the, the, the growth of the underground churches is unstoppable. It's, it's, it's crazy. When you look at the statistics in the underground churches of China, for example, even in Poland, in some of the persecuted countries of the world, actually, they have a greater number of conversions, which means people are getting saved per day than the Western countries, including Australia. And that is such an incredible thing to think about because what is it in, in persecutions or difficulties that causes them to actually push forward and rather than shrink back? And what is it in convenient and comfortable countries like this that, allow, that it somehow influences Christians to relax and be, uh, what do you call this, um, mediocre about their faith. There is something to think about in there, isn't it? But one of the things that we notice in the book of Acts is that last week we talked about that they, the secret to their, well, not a secret really, but one of the revealed principles of their rootedness, you know, of course they are rooted And one of that is they are rooted in koinonia, if you remember that word. That is, what's that again? Fellowship. And that's more than just gathering like this. It's the loving of one another. It's the sharing of one another. It's the serving of one another. It's the love just like Jesus loved. That is the biblical... um, uh, definition of koinonia, or fellowship. Today, we'd like to cover this topic, rooted in the Word. Of course, if any Christian in the first century, and even until now, uh, can be observed as a strong, vibrant, flourishing, fruitful Christian, you can be sure that that Christian is rooted in the Word of God. That Christian, that, that church is rooted in the Word of God. We cannot grow in our Christian life apart from the Word of God. In fact, you cannot begin the Christian life apart from the Word of God. It's not in the slides, but in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says that we have been born again, not with, the, not with the perishable seed, but with the imperishable seed of the Word of God. The reason why we came to know the Lord is because we heard the Word of the Lord. If we began hearing the word of God and it brought us life, we cannot continue the Christian life without the word of God because it is our source of life. Are you with me? You with me so far? (laughs) All right. So last week we have been uh, we familiar with this word uh, that we read last week, Acts chapter two, verse forty-two, and it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Talking about the church or the Christians at the time, they have devoted themselves to these things: to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, going in the end to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And it, you know, I, I, when whenever things like this are visible in our Bibles, in our scriptures, it's not just trying to tell a story. It's basically saying, if this is what they have devoted to. It's saying that we have to devote ourselves to the same things. God has a purpose for putting these things in His Word. Amen? So, uh, for us today as Christians, if we are uh, what we say in the first century followers of the way, if we are followers of the way, then these are the things that the Bible or the Lord calls us as well to devote ourselves to. To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, into prayer. Now, we, we, we think of it and we ask the question, what are the apostles teaching? If they devoted, devoted themselves to the apostles teaching, what are the apostles teaching the church at the time? And now, obviously, that's, not, that's a very common sense question. They're teaching the Word of God. They're teaching the whole counsel of God. And particularly, they are teaching G- what Jesus told them to teach the church. And if you can remember the Great Commission, the Great Commission is, go therefore and make disciples into all the world, baptizing them, uh, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So teaching them everything that I have commanded you. What the apostles were teaching the church in that, Uh, first century in the book of Acts were all that Jesus taught them. So they were passing on what has been taught to them. Now, take note that in the the book of Acts, in that time in the first century, they don't have a Bible like this. They don't have like, you know, (laughs) uh, a Bible with pages like that. They had scrolls, but their scrolls were actually the Old Testament scrolls, and that for them was the scriptures as well. But when Jesus came and gave a new commandment, Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. Now, all the things that Jesus taught, the parables, the teachings, the instructions that was given to the disciples, can you imagine Jesus saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then he sends the disciples, okay, come on, go and make disciples. And then Jesus did not give the disciples a list of um, how to build the church. Step number one, step number two, step number three. Jesus did not give a program, a a system or whatsoever. I'm not saying that that's not important. It's not, Jesus did not reveal, you know, said, oh, this will be the G12 system that you're going to use in your church and it's going to flourish, right? What he just said is teach them everything I've commanded you. So you can imagine, you know, Jesus did not say to the disciples, when you gather on your service, well, basically, they don't have a Sunday service. They don't have a Sunday service because they gathered every day. (laughs) So when they gathered, what would the disciples do? Jesus did not say that this will be the program of your church service first. You're going to have praise and worship And then second, you're going to have giving. And then you're going to have this. Of course, those things developed over time. But Jesus also said to them that you will uh, gather together, uh, admonish one another with songs and worship and all that. And then the giving part is also part of the things that Jesus thought about. What the disciples would do is basically tell them everything that they have witnessed. Everything they've heard. Everything they've received. Everything that has been uh, taught by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Now, as the church grew, as the church multiplied, and as the church spread to every regions and even uh, intercontinent, there has come a demand for those stories or the teachings of the apostles to be put in ink and paper. And that's where all these gospel authors... And the letters of the, the apostles have been written. That's why we have the New Testament. So it has been distributed, the manuscripts and all that. And uh, now we do have the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's the Holy Scriptures that we have in our hands. And it, we call it the Word of God. I'm jumping ahead of my outline. Uh, forgive me for the media team right there. But why... Why should we be rooted in the Word of God? And my first point today is simply because it is the Word of God. It became a cliche for us to say this is the Word of God. But do we really believe that it is the Word of God? Because the disciples, the church in the first century believed that it is the Word of God. And if it is the Word of God, if it is God, what God says is what God says, it is non-negotiable. It is undebatable. They accept it as it is because it is the Word of God. And the Word of God, the Word of the King, is law. The Word of the King is is what it is. (laughs) But today, today, Do we really treat this as the Word of God? Why do we have to be rooted in the Word of God? Because it is the Word of God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Are you getting what I'm trying to say? If you are really believers in God, and we do believe in this book, then I will choose to be rooted in it because it's the only source of true life that has been given to me. It's a treasure that cannot be exchanged to anything else. Uh, now, that's <laughs> what the Pastor Jeff? Now don't worry. It's going to get lighter later on. Um, now, the early church, the first century church, if you read the book of Acts, and even if you read the letters of the apostles in the Bible, you will find that the church back then, it's not a perfect church. They have lots of issues. They have lots of problems. Oh, it's a messy church as well. A lot of mess. There are a lot of divisions, a lot of uh, miscommunications as well. There's a lot of um, uh, segregations, all that stuff, right? That the apostles and the leaders at the time also needed to, um, uh, what do you call this, attend to or um, uh, see to it that it will not destroy the church. Some of the things that the enemy is doing, of course, is trying to destroy the church. So, one example of that, for example, is in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. We are going to read through it and then we're going to have some points to discuss about this passage. It says here Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews. Because their widows are being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, the Hellenists are Greek speaking Jews, all right? Uh, and then the Hebrews obviously are the uh, Hebrew speaking Jews. So there's like a faction. May faction ka And there's a complaint, right? The Hellenists are complaining because their widows are being neglected in the daily distribution of food. Now, uh, the, if you are a widow at the time, you're very poor. So, uh, p- part of the ministry of the church is basically, as we read last week, is that they have gathered resources so that they can actually feed the poor. So, they can actually share their resources, and they consider their resources as common to everyone who are in need. Amen? Uh, so, it's kind of like uh, love in action. <laughs> so, we we have that kind of ministry as well in the first century. And the 12 summoned. the 12 is the 12 apostles, uh, you have to remember that it, Judas is not included in, that in, in there anymore. It, he was replaced by Matthias. So the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples. So there are other disciples there. And said, look at what they said. It is not right for us that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So what is the implication of this? The disciples are not trying to say that uh, that's a kind of lower class job, so we're not going to do that, right? They're not trying to say that. The apostles were very clear on their assignment. The apostles were very clear in their calling. The calling was that, teach them everything I have commanded you. And they were to focus on teaching the Word of God. And therefore, at this time, when this problem in the church arose, they assigned what we call now deacons, right? Elders. They assign people who can attend to certain issues or certain situations in the church that they can attend to so that the apostles can focus on the ministry of the Word. As we continue to read, Therefore, brothers, speak out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Look at this. I love this so much. Because what they needed at the time is a kitchen ministry. Kitchen ministry. (laughs) It's so cute. (laughs) But the disciple was saying, um, gather seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit, and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Kitchen ministry is not a just, just ministry. It is a very important ministry. There's no ministry that's more important than another, because everyone collectively works together to propagate the Word of God. If that ministry does not exist, then the ministry of the Word will suffer. Are you with me? So every ministry works together for the common goal of teaching the Word of God. Now, later on, we will discover why is it so important for the disciples. And then they, they say in verse 4, we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. It they the disciples were never off track of their main mission, of what they know is the most essential for them as apostles at the time to focus on. Because say, for example, me, for example, I'm your pastor. One of the main things that I am uh, called by God to do is to teach the Word of God, to teach the Word of God. Say, for example, we don't have Sunday school teachers. I will have to divide myself and be a Sunday school teacher as well because I cannot neglect the kids. Say, for example, we don't have drivers who will pick up first timers who wants to attend church. I will have to divide myself and be a driver to pick up those who needs to be picked up in the train station or something like that to come here to church. Say, for example, we don't have instrumentalists. I will have to rehearse with the instrumentalists and I will have to divide my time to study the Word of God that I will preach and become an instrumentalist to fill in that gap. Are you with me? Are you with me? So every part of the ministry, even in the first century, works together to fulfill the goal of teaching the Word of God. Why is it important? Later on, we will find out. Why is it important? Look at this. What they said pleased the whole gathering and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And Philip and Prochorus, and Nicanor and Timon and Perminas and Nicolas, a proselyte of Antioch, this they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Now, you might be wondering sometimes when we do gatherings or family camps or our tiring nights, why are these people laying hands? <laughs> this is where it came from. Like We lay hands. We have been, uh, it has been modeled in the scripture. We lay hands, and there's power in there. I don't know why, but there is. <laughs> there are some things in the Bible that cannot be explained, but it has been done, and we are doing it as well. And the verse 7, again, the emphasis is this. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied. Greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Again, let me emphasize that. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied. So the number of the disciples multiplied because the word of God continued to increase. It means in other translations, in NIV, it says the word of God continued to spread. Right? The disciples multiplied because the word of God continued to increase. Why did the word of God continue to increase? Because it was not neglected. Are you with me? Now again, Why does it matter? Because the kingdom of God advances through the motion of the word. The kingdom of God advances through the motion of the word. What does it mean? A lot of kingdoms, empires that has been built in this world, they have grown and they have expanded because the king or the emperor or whatever ruler there is, spoke. And his manifesto was uh, taken into effect by his soldiers. Isn't it? Through the word, the kingdom or the empire expanded. Kingdoms expand through the word. You with me? For example, Hitler (laughs) Hitler Hitler was a very charismatic public speaker. He aroused the passion of the Germans and those who hate the Jews, the anti semitists And because of Hitler's words, tens of thousands followed him and annihilated and murdered millions of Jews. Because of the word... You know, kingdoms expand through the motion of the word. How does the kingdom of God expand? Through the teaching of the word. How can one teach if one does not understand? How does one understand if one will not hear or read? So you see, the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom of God has the potential to advance, to multiply, to increase through you. Through you. Because you have the potential to pass it on to someone else. When you pass it on to someone else, the word of God, when you pass it on to someone else, you're actually advancing the kingdom of God. Now, how can you pass it on to someone else if you do not know it? You with me? How can you pass it on to someone else if you don't understand it? How can you pass it on to someone else? No wonder Satan, one of the greatest tactics or one of the greatest goals of the enemy is to stop you from having a contact with the Word of God. One of the greatest goals of the enemy is to stop you from ever touching this. Because the moment you had a chance to open it, to give time to it, to read it, and the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and the kingdom of God becomes powerfully, you know, transforming you, it has the capacity to spread. Like COVID. (laughs) It has the capacity to increase. Because why? For example, a husband reads something, and then a revelation of the Lord comes to him, right? Before they sleep, he will talk to his wife about it. You know what? I've read in the Bible today, and this was so powerful to me because God revealed to me that this, 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 and that. And then somehow, in the heart of his wife, God, the Spirit, animates something. Something comes to life. Something comes alive. You know, the... uh, uh, Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Faith comes to life in, this, in, in the wife, right? You, know, it, it, uh, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Something in the wife has been set free because of that word. Are you with me? And then the wife goes to work the following day. And because she carries that word, she somehow slips it in and shares it with her workmate you know what, my husband told me last night this, this, and that because he read it from the Bible. And somehow that word ministers to the workmate and somehow in that workmate's heart she felt like, you know what, I want to come with you to church. And then that Sunday, that workmate comes to church hears the word becomes born again and you know what? <laughs> when you have received a great news, you can't help but share it. When you've received a great news, you can't help but share it. When you find, found out that you're pregnant, you can't help but share it. Isn't it? The word has the capacity to be spread. This is what we call good gossip. <laughs> you with me? So if the kingdom of God advances one heart at a time, what the enemy wants to do at the bottom line of it, at the grassroots of it, is to stop you from having any relationship with the word. What you will notice in the book of Acts is that the people constantly gathered together and therefore they constantly heard the word. And they constantly gathered together and therefore they continue to develop understanding on the word. And upon understanding and upon the transformation that the Word of God brings into their life, upon the Spirit's work through the Word, this is what happens. The number of the disciples multiplied. It is my prayer that in this church, it is not just I who can teach and preach. But, you know, now look at this very, very important thing as well. What's the ministry of Stephen? Kitchen ministry right? Social outreach, right? He was not an apostle, Stephen, but he was the first martyr that died in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 7, he basically defends the gospel to those who are persecuting them. I'm totally going off my outline right now. I'm just leading by the Spirit. Um, Stephen is Defending the gospel to those who are trying to persecute them. And then we know the story that Stephen was, has been stoned to death, right? But if you read Acts chapter 7, Stephen, a kitchen ministry person, has just basically did an expository teaching of the H- Old Testament. If you read it, it's a long chapter. Chapter 7, he's defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's proving to the listeners that Jesus indeed is the Messiah. The resurrection is real. And then all these things are connected to the stories they know from the Old Testament, from Moses, Abraham, all that, right? So what does it say? Stephen, a kitchen minister, is not ignorant of the Bible. You don't have to be a preacher, you don't have to be a teacher, you don't have to be a DG leader. this This is an encouragement for us, and not an encouragement, but somehow an expectation that when you become a Christian, you eat this book. I love this book. This is by Eugene Peterson. He's the one who translated the Bible to the message translation. Um, Eat this book pertaining to the Bible. Now, look at that. Stephen is very much aware, very much knowing, very much understanding of the Word of God. And his ministry is the kitchen ministry. And yeah, he was stoned to death. Paul, Saul became Apostle Paul. It became the linchpin, the linchpin for for Saul's eventual conversion. And when he was dying, being stoned to death, Stephen looks up into heaven and sees Jesus standing at the right side of the Father. Standing at the right side of the Father. Beautiful, isn't it? Okay, let's go back. Now, I'm actually lost. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. All right. Let's go. Um, There's another verse I want to share with you. Acts chapter 17, verse 11 and 12. And um, this is obviously Paul now. Paul going through the missionary journeys. And when they were in Berea, now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. Now, what's happening here is that Now, in in the Bible, you will find, in the book of Acts, you will find only two sets of people. People who uh, receive the Word of God and therefore are saved, and people who reject the Word of God and therefore persecute those who are preaching the Word of God. And the Thessalonians, at at this part, they were the ones who were rejecting the Word of God. They did not believe. they, They were trying to harass Paul. They were trying to harass the church. And so therefore, they transferred to Berea. And when they went to Berea, the Bereans uh, were more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. You see this? The Bereans somehow believes in the Bible. Maybe what they're looking at is the scrolls of the Old Testament. And when Paul was teaching something, of course, it was new to their ears. Why? Because teaching, Paul was teaching the Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, the, the resurrection of the Lord. And they have never heard it before. And they were saying that Jesus is the Messiah that has been prophesied and promised from the Old Testament. And now, these Bereans, having listened to Paul, they, they, it says there in the word that they received the message with great eagerness. And they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Yeah. As a result, many of them believed because they examined the Word and then they believed. Are you with me? They examined the Word and then they believed. Uh, I think Oswald Chambers is the one who said that he finds that many of the doubters are the ones who doesn't read the Word of God. He finds that many of the doubters are those who does not read the Word of God. Now, look at this. Because they examined the Word of God, they believed and examined the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying is true. <laughs> but if you examine the Word of God every day, you will find that it is true. And it will help you in your. Faith. Amen? You're with me. So, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. So, uh, again, the word of God increased and the disciples multiplied. The word of God increased and the disciples multiplied. Now, um, look at this. In the book of Acts, in, in, in the stories that we hear in the book of Acts, their great value, their honor, their reverence to the word of God is such they believed that this is indeed the Word of God, and therefore they revered it, they believed it. They sought it, they, they sought to understand it. They really craved to hear it. Amen? In, in conjunction, I mean, uh, juxtaposed, side by side, with the modern Christianity, what's sad about today, uh, they say that this generation has the greatest access to the Bible. This generation has the greatest access to the Bible. You can access the Bible anywhere. In your mobile phones, audio Bible, YouTube, every, everything. <laughs> no? This generation has the greatest access to the Bible, but also this generation is the most illiterate generation. Biblically illiterate generation. How come? How come? I'm talking about Christians, not, not even the unbelievers. huh? The Christians. Many Christians are biblically illiterate. And that's the problem of the church. That's why the unbelieving people does not believe because the believers does not really live. Because they, how would they live if they don't know? And how would they know if they will not listen? How would they know if they won't read? If they won't access? You with me? How will the church grow? How will the disciples multiply if the word will not increase? How will the word increase if you will not have a relationship with your Bible? You with me? They are rooted in the word. Now, look at this. Look at this. um, uh, There's a Barna Group. Barna Group, is their ministry is basically to statistics um, agency. And their main focus is to study the trends and patterns of the churches in America mostly. But uh, somehow they're already touching globally. But in America mostly, they're looking at the trends and patterns of the churches in America. and, And basically, statistics always tells health, Right. So, they're saying Americans revere the Bible, generally speaking, but by and large, they don't read it. They revere the Bible, but they don't read it. And because they don't read it, they have become a nation of biblical illiterates. Why? And here are some of the examples of the findings that they, you know, they, annually they do some studies. Now, here's the thing. In America... Fewer than half of all adults can name the four gospels. Fewer than half of they they don't know the gospels. What are the gospels? What are the gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? More than 50% also cannot identify more than three of the 12 disciples. These are Christians. Can you name the 12 disciples? (laughs) 60% can't name even five of the Ten Commandments. 60% of the Christians in America cannot name more than five of the Ten Commandments. You with me? Hey, it means that they don't have roots. They don't have roots. According to to 82% of Americans, God helps those who help themselves is a Bible verse. It's not a Bible verse, my friends. At least 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc is Noah's wife. (laughs) This is funny, right? But really heartbreaking as well. Over 50% thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. Who's Sodom and Gomorrah? <laughs> you know, imagine if you're a Christian and you get to heaven and then you meet Habakkuk. And then Habakkuk approaches you and says, Hey, did you read my book? And then you said, What book? I'm Habakkuk. I'm the prophet Habakkuk. I have a book. It's in the Bible. <laughs> oh, Okay. Bye. <laughs> the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. <laughs> it's funny, but it's heartbreaking. No wonder the church in America does not have much influence in its nation anymore. I wonder what it looks like here in Australia. I wonder what it looks like in the Philippines. To some extent, perhaps, to some extent, perhaps, there was a generation that has neglected the teaching of the Word of God. Perhaps there was a generation who had been off track, off the rails, and neglected the teaching of the Word of God. That's why we have discipleship. Now, for some people, for us in our church, we're going to roll out our uh, discipling the next generation in January next year, and I want every one of us to be involved in that. No matter if you are a very long-time Christian, 50 years Christian, (laughs) 50 years Christian. <laughs> or you're new. I want all of us to be part of that. You know, discipleship is a key thing. It's, it's a crucial, it's the most important thing in the, uh, in the book of Acts. And we have to be willing to be taught. We have to be willing to be taught, and we have to be the ones to say that we shouldn't be the ones thinking, I already know that. But to submit to the Lord's teachings. No one graduates. No one graduates. Graduate ka na pag nasa langit ka na. (laughs) But as long as you're alive, we are all students of the Bible. Amen? We are all students of the Bible. A great student of the Bible can become a good teacher of the Bible. Amen? You're with me? I pray that JRM Sydney will not be biblically illiterate. Yeah? Matang konti lang nung amen. <laughs> Dagdagan naman natin. <laughs> amen! Hallelujah. Alright. So let me just go back to that first point I was saying earlier. Why should we be rooted in the Word of God? Number one, because it is the Word of God. It is the Word of God of God. 2 Timothy three sixteen to 17 all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, there has been multiple, multiple attacks to the Bible. The Bible is the most loved book. Well, basically, the Bible is not a book. It's a library. The word biblos means collection of books. It's a library. It's composed of 66 books. Uh, 66 books. Uh, 27 books in the New Testament. 66 minus 27. That's <laughs> In the Old Testament, right? No more, no less. 66 books. The whole counsel of God. The, whole, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, it says here in the Scripture that it is God-breathed. God breathed. Now, of course, it's been written by 40 different authors, by uh, written an, across 1,600 years, the span of years from when it's written, Moses' time, you know, uh, Genesis up to the time of the Apostle John. 1,600 years, 40 different authors. So how come uh, that it is God breathed? God used these people to write, His words. And it is not just His words. It is who He is. A Christian knows God more because he reads the words of God more. When he reads the words of God more, he knows God's more. Why? Because this is the revealed character of God. You know God through this. Not just in uh, goosebumps spiritual experiences. Of course, that's included. But primarily through this. We've talked about the attributes of God and that series that we've had before. It's all coming from this, the revelation of who God is and God revealing Himself through the story of humanity in a span of 1,600 years. What you hold in your hand is an ancient book. And in every century, though it is the most loved book, it is also the most hated book. It is also the most persecuted book. Why? People who want to destroy it. There's so much uh, effort to destroy it. Every century, there arises, you know, a movement, a kingdom, a hierarchy, you know, a, a, uh, a dynasty that wants to eradicate and completely burn the Bible so that it will not be touched by any human being anymore. In the 16th century, for example, the uh, French writer and philosopher Voltaire said that in 100 years after he dies, he says, he predicts, that after 100 years after he dies, Voltaire says that the Bible will just be a relic, a display in a museum somewhere. Ironically, (laughs) after Voltaire died, a French Bible publisher bought his mansion, and that mansion became a Bible publishing company. Today, as we speak, the Bible is still the undefeated bestseller book in the whole world. But still the most attacked book in the whole world. A lot of people has tried to put a nail on the coffin and wants to bury it alive. But until now, it's still spreading. Why? It is the Word of God. No one can kill God. No one can kill God. This is the most important treasure you can ever possess. How are you treating your Bibles? Do you even own one? A lot of people died for this, and a lot of people are still dying to distribute this. A lot of people has died in North Korea because they are trying to smuggle this inside. Why? Because they love it. Because they believe it. Because they know it's the word of God. Because they know it's going to save people's lives. And they were willing to risk and give their lives so that someone can hold it. You with me? Amen. All right. Look at how the characters in the Bible reveres and looks at the Word of God. How they treat the Word of God. How they love the Word of God. Psalm 119, it says, How can a young man, a a young person, stay on the path of purity? By living according to your Word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from my mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. That doesn't sound like a man that is being forced to read the Bible. That sounds like a man who discovered the riches of this, the power of this, and therefore delights on it. You know what that delight means? That delight, the word delight, you know, have you seen a child eating ice cream? That's delight. Have you seen a child that doesn't like to eat vegetables because Cyrus eats vegetables? I just remembered. Uh, A child that doesn't like vegetables... You're trying to force them to eat that vegetable? Have you seen a child like that? (laughs) This verse is a child that delights in the Word. A person that delights in the Word of God. The word delight is so important. Because unless you delight in it, you won't read it. Unless you delight on it, you won't listen to it. Unless you delight on it, you won't enjoy it. But the person who discovers the riches, the power, and the, the grace, the wonders of the Word of God delights in it. In this book uh, by Eugene Peterson, this book, uh, he illustrates uh, his dog. His dog. He has a dog. Um, and I remember this when I was at Alan's place and, and Queen's place uh, because they have two dogs, lovely dogs. I miss them. <laughs> um so Eugene Peterson has a dog, and what he, he observes his dog doing is that he has like a a, a, a priced bone, like a bone, you know? When a dog chews the bone, it's like, ar, ar, ar. and then if the bone is really big, you know what they do is that they chew it with all their passion and enthusiasm, and then they wag their tail, and they enjoy it, and then what they do is that they go to the tree, as Eugene Peterson said, he goes to the tree at the back of their house, and then he digs a hole, and then hides it, and then... Buries it again. Only him knows where the bone is. No one's going to get the bone from me. It's just mine. That's the light. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Look at that sentence right there. I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Look at this. The word, the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. The Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. The choice is yours. Hey, you with me? man? Can we just give the Lord the clap of praise? I mean, can we? Amen. Number two, it transforms our lives. The, it's, this is no question. There's no debate to this. There are literally millions of testimonies that says that the Word of God has transformed their lives, amen? For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It's alive. This book is alive. And the Bible, when you begin, when you, when you pursue it, when you begin to dig into it, when you begin to invest time on it, you know what? You will find that it really is alive because it speaks and it will transform your life. It will transform your life. You know what? You have a relationship with material things, non-living things. You have a relationship with your phone. When you lost your phone, you're so worried. <gasps> Where's my phone? When you leave the house, you forgot the, ho- the phone in the house. You <gasps> I can't go without my phone. You have a relationship with your car. Who's here? It's na It's you have a relationship with your car, you take care of your car, you love your car, kulang na lang tabihan mo sa pagtulog. Yung kotse mo. You, have, you can develop relationship with material things. You have your favorite clothes, clothes that you wear all the time, your favorite shoes. You love them, you cherish them. What's your relationship with this? How are you treating this? This is not a non-living thing. The Word of God is alive. It is alive. And if one person believes that it is the Word of God and it has the power to transform a life, God will not fail that person. He will prove to that person that he is Alive. Amen? amen? I have never... Amen, you can clap. Yes, please. <laughs> I, have, I have never met a person who read the Bible, grew into it, you know, understood it, studied it, lived it. I've never per- met a person who, who had a good relationship with his Bible and said, I regret it. Have you met a person like that? I regret it. I regret the times I read the Bible. I've never met a person like that. You know what I've met? Many, many people. People that I pray on the bedside, in the hospital, nearly dying, who said, I wish I've given time to the Bible. I've never met a person who had a good relationship with the Bible, but I've met a lot of people who did not have a relationship with their Bibles, who regretted it. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. Every single day, God wants to speak to you. Every single day, God wants to encourage your soul. Every single day, God has a promise for you to take, to keep. Every single day, God wants to put an anchor to your mind, because your mind can wander off. Every single day, God wants to reveal truth that will set you free. Every single day, God wants to embrace you with His Word. The Word of God is alive. Proverbs 4.20-22 My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. The word of God is health to your body, whether you believe it or not. You know what? I I went to the GP last week and I did a blood test because I've been feeling a bit lethargic, kind of weak and um, no energy. And I've been having some uh, minor and occasional spinning sensation maybe related to the vertigo or whatsoever, but I wanted to find out, is it, my dad had diabetes, so I wanted to find out my blood sugar and all that stuff. Um, Thank God, all things are normal. I have a high uric acid, as usual, (laughs) but also what they found out is I have a vitamin D deficiency, and that's what the GP is saying, probably the reason why you're feeling weak, muscle weakness, and lethargic, all the time, and somehow a bit down, and all that. And vitamin D, where do you get it? It means I haven't been going out (laughs) on daylight, on daytime, because I've been going out at nighttime when doing Bible study, home visit, pastoral visit, whatever, uh, lighthouse. So, anyways, in the daytime, (laughs) I'm just, I'm just a monk in my cave of, like, Reading my book, whatever. <laughs> so I haven't been going out. And the best time—they said that the best time to go out to catch sun is from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And you have to at least every single day you have to at least have uh, for fairer skin. For fairer skin, you have to have like at least uh, eight to ten minutes uh, of time in under the sun. But for darker skin, like me. <laughs> you have to have at least 15 minutes so unfair <laughs> so you have to have at least 15 minutes in the sun to have sufficient vitamin D every single day now, look at this uh, the reason why I'm sharing this to you is because you know, I, over time, maybe because of the lockdown we're just inside the house, isn't it? three months worth, right? Oh, you're okay still alive, I'm still breathing, I'm still, you know, I'm not sick or whatsoever, but little did I know that the deficiency, vitamin D deficiency is slowly lowering and lowering and lowering and lowering. And you know why? Uh, You know what? Vitamin D is very important because it is uh, responsible to a lot of uh, hormonal functions in our body. A lot of uh, calcium whatever in our bones and muscle weakness is also one of the uh, results of vitamin D deficiency. So every morning when I wake up, sometimes I feel like I haven't started the day. Why am I so tired? (laughs) Yeah. Look at this. The reason why I'm sharing this to you is because you might say, I'm okay, Pastor Jeff. I'm still doing good. I'm still a Christian. I'm, I'm not reading my Bible, but I'm okay. I'm not, you know, if your only access to the Word of God is a Sunday morning like this, it's not so sufficient. And you might try to fool yourself and say, I'm alright, I'm alright, even if I don't read the Bible, I'm alright. But maybe the reason why you are spiritually weak and spiritually weary and spiritually no energy is maybe because there is no sunlight. That comes in your soul. There is no sunlight that comes in your spirit. It's why you're feeling tired all the time. You're feeling, I mean, internally speaking, right? Internally speaking, why you're feeling down all the time. You might not feel it when you read the Bible. You will not have a goosebumps that day. It's not big revelation of how God did this and did that. But you know what? You drink water every day. It's not as if when you drink water, you're like, Ooh, water! Right? But you drink water. Why? Because you have a subconscious thought. You have an automatic thinking that the white water hydrates you. It's not necessarily you're enjoying the drink of that water, but you know it's replenishing you. So every single day when you approach the Word of God, it's not necessarily that you're going to be like super Christian, and super anointed, but the daily discipline of accessing the Word of God, it's sunlight to your soul and water to your spirit. alam kong ibig sabihin palakpak na yun. Alright. singing. But yeah, uh, it's Church. Kahit magdugo na po yung tenga ninyo, ako yung pastor, even if your ears bleed already, I will be the pastor who will always tell you, read your Bible. Read your Bible. If you can't read, listen to the Bible. Listen to the Bible. If you cannot listen, watch it. Watch the Bible. Watch the Bible. watch. Everything and every possible uh, way to access the Word of God, do it! You know why? Because you're doing a great, the greatest favor you can do to yourself is that. The greatest favor you can do to your family is that. Because why? The Bible changes lives. The Bible changes lives. Even Jesus prayed this prayer Lord, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus prayed that. Jesus, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. What do you mean by sanctify? To cleanse, to purify to set apart, to make holy. So every time you read the Word of God, Ephesians chapter 5, 26 as well, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the Word. Every time you read the Word of God, you are being purified. You are being purified. Whenever you decide to access the Word of God, you listen to a podcast, you read your Word, you know, you're being purified. You're being sanctified. You're being sanctified. Every day, this world soils us. Every day, this world smudges us. This world, you know, uh, pollutes our minds. But as you access the word, sanctify us. Sanctify us. Sanctify us. Why? Because we belong to you, Lord. Okay, I'm going to rush through this. The third one is the secret. Why? Why do we have to be rooted in the word of God? Because it's the secret to godly success. And you've you've heard me say this last week as well. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. The person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Look at that. Which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prosper. This is the word of God. God is not lying. He's telling the truth. That whoever chooses to plant themselves deep into the Word of God, this is the promise that's been given to you. You will be like that of a tree planted by streams of water, which yields your fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whoever, whatever they do prosper. And then again, notice that word, delight. Those who delight in the Word of the Lord. Yes, it is the master key to all kinds of of success. You can read all the books in the world about success. You can watch all the TED Talks that you want how to be successful in this, how to be successful in parenting, how to be successful in business, how to be successful in school, how to be successful as whatever. You can read every resource as possible, but the Bible remains as the only grandmaster master key to all kinds of success. For the one who will ask, will receive. That which will seek, will find. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Hey! Amen? Amen? And then last but not the least, the Word is where we encounter Jesus. In fact, the Word itself is Jesus. The next slide uh, I'll give you a price if you can guess what verse this is. It says Hen arche hen hologos kai hologos and proston theon kai theos hen hologos. What Bible verse is this? En alke en hologos kai hologos en theon kai in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the word is god how you treat the word is how you treat god If you ignore it, you ignore God. If you don't revere it, you don't revere God. If you don't delight on it, you don't delight on God. The Christians in the, the first century in the book of Acts, they revered it. They did not ignore it. They delighted In it. And then they shared it. They shared it. They so filled their minds and their hearts with the Word of God. Now look at this. And be, Romans 12 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How can the mind be renewed? By the Word of God. So there's no transformation. If the mind is not renewed, the mind has no capacity to renew itself if it is not filled by the Word of God. Can you imagine a person who is filled by the Word of God? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What if you become abundant with the Word of God? What kind of language will you speak? It's the language of God. It's what you're going to speak to your family. It's what you're going to speak to your child. It's what's going to you're going to speak to your wife, to your husband. It's what's going to come out of your lips unknowingly and, or, or naturally in your workplaces. Why? Because it fills you up. When the Word of God renews this mind, we will think right. The reason why we don't think right all the time is because we don't have the Word of God in it why people like the prodigal son, you know, why do some Christians, and I'm not saying some Christians, it's actually all of us. We, we, we veer away from the father. We step away from the father, maybe for how many months or how many days or how many hours and maybe some of us for how many minutes we step away. Why? Because we, we follow our thought, what we we think, what we want, and what we feel. Every time you step away from God, you're actually following what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and what you're wanting. But all these things of the soul, what you you think, that's the mind, what you feel, that's the emotions, and what you, you want, that's the desires, all of these things you have to submit all of that to the Word of God because the Word of God has to be the supreme authority of your life. If the Word of God, if what I am thinking is opposite to the Word of God, what are you going to follow? If what I am feeling is not agreeing with the Word of God, what are you going to follow? If what you want is not what the Word of God wants for you, what are you going to follow? And that's where you determine which is your Lord. Is it the Lord or yourself? But the soul is selfish, and it has to be submitted to the Lord. Because if it is not submitted to the Lord, my friend, you'll be lost. You'll be a lost sheep. Praise God for His grace. He will always find you. He'll always rescue you. But I'm sorry, my friend, if you will have some consequences because of that. A growing Christian is like this. Father God, this is what I'm feeling right now. But I submit to your word. Your word says this, and I believe it. Lord, would you take over my emotions and let your word reign in me. A growing Christian is like this. Lord, this is what I'm thinking. But Lord, your word says otherwise. And so I submit to your word, Lord. I reject these thoughts. If it comes from the enemy, it comes from the world. But I submit to your word. But how can you submit to your word if you don't know it? Hey, real talk. God's children. God's children. Maybe today the Lord wants us to return to the Bible. Maybe the Lord wants us to return. Some people today, the Lord is speaking to you. You know, I know how it feels. There was a time when I was, I graduated uni, college, and then I started working in Makati, and I've started to experience all the pleasures of life, and I'm in income, I'm working, you know, I've been introduced to some friends, nightlife, nightlife, Before, I was very active in the youth ministry, and then little by little, I was like in, kind of being exposed to the world now, and it's like, oh, I want to try that, I want to try that. There came a point when I was back home in the Philippines, I did not backslide from God, I did not. It's just that little by little, the book that I loved, little by little I've started to neglect. This was my best friend from like I was second year high school. From high school, I would go, after school, I would go to the Capitolio, Laguna, alam nila, Kuya Noelian. Um The Capitolio, the, the government, uh, governor's lair. <laughs> and I would go to a garden there and I would bring my Gideon Bible and I would learn how to read it. No one's teaching me. I just want to read it. I just want to seek God. I just want to spend time in His presence. Before I go home, I would spend time there. And has gone. It has gone for until I was in college. And then I started working and all of a sudden, this It's just sitting at the shelf in our house. And then there was a moment when I felt really empty and really dry. And then I just prayed and I said, Lord, I don't know what's happening inside me. Why am I feeling this way? And then I looked into this Bible and the Lord said to me, because you have abandoned your friend. And that night I, I grabbed my Bible. I remember that night. I picked it up, embraced it. This is my most loyal friend. And I have abandoned it. And I repented. I said, Lord, bring me back to the Bible. Bring me back to your word. Bring me back to your word. Amen? I'd like to request the worship team to come join me on the stage. Perhaps tonight... Some of you, the Lord is just calling you, Not just return to the Bible. Return to my word. You feeling lost, return to my word. You have tried to fill in the gaps and the empty spaces of your heart with the things of this world, but nothing satisfies. Come back to the word. Come home to the word of God. Come home to the word of God. Amen. Once again, the kingdom of God moves forward through the motion of the word. If you will come back to the word, it can bubble up and spring up in you once again. And it has the capacity to increase in your life and spread towards the others. The word of God, yes, it will bless you. It will strengthen you. It will empower you. But ultimately, God wants to use you as a channel so that this word can flow to others as well. Would you be that person? Would you be that Christian? Would you be that daughter or son of God or child of God who decides today, Lord, fill me up with this word. Fill me up with this word so that I can overflow with it and I can share it. I can share it and others can be saved. Now, um, it's, it's, it's said that if you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. Now, this is a good talk. Yes, Pastor Jeff, we agree with you. Amen. Hallelujah. But after today, tomorrow, what's your plan? That's what matters. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Somehow, there has to be a protected time within the day wherein you're going to spend time with the Word. There has to be a protected time within the day. If you're waking up at 6 a.m., perhaps you can wake up 15 minutes before that. Or maybe in your lunch break, you have 30 minutes of break. Maybe you can spend 10 minutes of just sitting in the fire exit somewhere where there are no people and just sitting there and spending, breathing in and breathing out and just taking in the Word of God, sanctifying you again. Maybe at nighttime time when all the kids are already sleeping, everyone is already settled, you're a mom, you're a busy mom, and they're already there snoring, and you're about to sleep, but Lord, let this day end without my time with you. Why? It's not because you're forced, but because you delight in Him. He is your delight. It's not because Pastor Jeff told me so. It's because I want so. I need so. Allow the sunlight of God's Word enter your soul. Drink and allow your spirit to be hydrated once again. For starters, maybe this is what you have to do. Um, number one, you have to desire it. Without desire, you won't begin it. Number two, decide. Decide. Your calendar, mark it 7 to 7.15. To 7. That's my time. The 7 to 7.30, I don't know how long it is. It doesn't matter. When you drink water, you (laughs) drink water? It should be. But sure. Be determined. Why? Because the enemy will stop you. The enemy will try to stop you. Because the enemy doesn't want the kingdom of God advancing. So be determined. No matter what it takes. And then be disciplined. Discipline means you're going to do this again and again and again and again and again. And then don't forget the delight. Enjoy it. Soak it in. It's like standing in the sun and letting that warmth touch your face. The delight. And then obviously depend on the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that illuminates the Word the Holy Spirit will enable you to understand. So when you approach the Word of God, come to it prayerfully. Lord, I want to understand. Show me something. And last but not the least, do it. Don't just think it, do it. Who says amen? Come on, stand up. Let's worship the Lord. Let's close. In prayer, amen. Hallelujah. Just worship with this song, amen. My leaders, thank you, Jesus. My
1: forever in Your might, living in Your
0: promise, Lord, on my heart. Come come back to the Bible. Come back to the Word. No Can you pick it up and can you just place it in front of your chest? Just embrace your word, the Bible, as a gesture, amen. Maybe for some of you, the first step, the first gesture you're going to do starting tomorrow is you're going to buy yourself a Bible. (laughs) And that Bible, it's going to be your best friend. will carry you through the storms, it will speak encouragement to your soul in those times that you are down and dry, it will refresh you, it will empower you, it will remind you how valuable you are when you're feeling crappy and all. Whenever you come and read the word of God, it is my prayer that you will sense the nearness of God as if it is Him speaking to you face to face, the very presence of God in His word. Oh, have you experienced that before? And you turn to reading the word and meditating on it, how it strengthens your inner man. That in spite in despite of all the turmoils and the problems and the challenges and the difficulties that surround you or inside you, you know there's a fountain. There's a fountain that never runs dry. Oh. oh. <laughs> back to your word, Lord. We love your word. We love your word. We love your word as we love you. This is the daily bread. This is our strength for each day. This is the sunlight to our soul. This is the water to our spirit. Help us not to ignore it us not to neglect it, Lord. Oh, Jesus, Jesus,
1: You are the word. You are the word. You are the word. Love, you Word, the Lord, oh, Lord. Oh, sit up inside of us. I